0: And on this week's show we have a feature from Cameroon, as at this time, 30 years ago, the 1990 World Cup was on in Italy. It was a huge breakthrough tournament for Africa as Cameroon reached the quarter-finals. But we look at why, 30 years later, no African team has taken it further and got to the World Cup semis, while Cameroon themselves have failed to fulfil the potential shown in 1990. We hear from Cameroon legend Joseph Antoine Bell and others.
1: The current foundation in Cameroon is not enough. We need to detect players. They have to grow in good environment to be better uh, football players. Locally, it will be very difficult.
0: That's coming shortly, plus the English Premier League is back and Stewart assesses the opening games as goal-line technology made the headlines for the wrong reasons. The first, the Confederation of African Football is still hoping for a January start for the 2021 Africa Cup of Nations, despite the ongoing uncertainty about the continent's football because of coronavirus. Now, CAF has yet to confirm a restart date for any of its tournaments, and four of the six rounds of Nations Cup qualifying have still to take place. CAF's competitions director told BBC Sport Africa that the Nations Cup is still planned for Cameroon from the 10th of January to the 8th of February, 2021, but is subject to change. It's clear that the qualifiers have to take place in the international windows in October and November, with two rounds taking place each month. So at the moment, the intention is to play the Nations Cup at the start of next year. Well, there's lots of reminiscing this month as the 2010 FIFA World Cup in South Africa ran from June the 11th to July the 11th, 10 years ago. Of course, the first World Cup held in Africa and with Ghana reaching the quarterfinals. And this time 30 years ago, the 1990 World Cup was on in Italy. This a huge breakthrough tournament for Africa as Cameroon stunned the defending champions Argentina 1-0 in the opening game with a Francois Omambiic header. Now with 38-year-old Roger Miller their star, the Indomitable Lions went all the way to the quarter-finals, losing to England in extra time. Now we thought that this would be the beginning of great things for Africa, but 30 years later, no African team has gone better than Cameroon and got to the World Cup semi-finals, while Cameroon themselves have had many disappointing campaigns. This report from Planet Sport Football Africa's and Eno in Yaoundé. The month of June for most Cameroonian football
2: diehards always comes with great memories as they reminisce of an era where the country's football team, the Indomitable Lions, were a conquering side. Tales of Cameroon humbling the defending champions and a star-studded Argentina side 1-0 in the opener of the 1990 World Cup are told from generations to generations. In just their second appearance in the global football bonanza, the Indomitable Lions of Cameroon lined up against Argentina, Russia and Romania in Group B. But ahead of the Italian showdown, the side's gear up was all but flamboyant, spurring then-first choice keeper Joseph Antoine Bell to openly castigate the team's preparation. Bell's frankness cost him a starting spot in between the sticks for Cameroon. In sport, you
3: must prepare, be ready, work hard, so that at the end of the day, you won't have anything to regret. You have to be committed to excellence. This is what we did among ourselves because the official did not arrange things in the proper manner. The team gather really together to get their own rules, their own will, to work hard, to be part of the competition.
2: The inclusion of 38-year-old Roger Miller also shattered Team Harmony. The veteran striker had two years prior to the Italian Bonanza retired from international football, and there were concerns over his fitness. But as defender Jules Denionana recalls, Mila had incredible burst of energy during training sessions.
0: This
1: guy, he was fit. When we used to make sprints, 6-meters sprinting, 7-meters, 10-meters, on 5-6-meters at 38 Roger Miller was the first. Incredible. If you run with him, okay, you can close him up at the seventh meter, but three, four, five meter, he'll be the first, because that guy was fit, even at 38.
2: On the 8th of June 1990 at the San Siro Stadium, before a vociferous crowd, Cameroon, two-time African champions, faced tournament favourites, Argentina. Though some of the Cameroonian players were starstruck at the sight of Maradona, midfielder thomas libby states that the plan was to make the argentine important
1: i was too young and i see somebody like diego maradona playing before on the tv and going in the field with him i don't care you know we like to win the game and it means that you must try all our best
2: Big's iconic header will hand Cameroon a one 0 win over argentina galvanized by the win the indomitable lions maintained hopes and fell back on the class of a never-vibrant 38-year-old Roger Miller, whose four goals, an assist, as well as a quite spectacular corner flag dance, took Cameroon to the quarterfinals.
1: We had the best part of Roger Miller. He made a difference. A striker doesn't need 10 metres to score a goal. He just needs 30 centes, 1 metre, because that guy was fit. On um, two, three seconds, he needs to pass just in front of you to get the ball and score. As a I will tell you.
2: A quarter-final spot was the concluding act of Cameron's journey in Italy. Back in the country, the Indomitable Lions were celebrated as heroes. Their performance was a catalyst to future generations of footballers, as Cameron's longest-serving captain, Rigobert Song remembers.
3: 94, four years after I with them. For me, it was a pleasure. And I learned a lot behind my older brothers and I learned to know exactly what I need to do.
2: But 30 years after Italia 90, there is a deep sentiment amongst several members of the squad and some fans that the players haven't been given their due consideration. Many had hoped that Italia 90 will be a springboard for the growth of Cameroonian football. But former keeper Joseph Antoine Bell Things, the frailties visible 30 years ago, are still existent till date.
3: If you fail without learning anything, then the future will not benefit from what you call experience. Cameroonian officials have never learned anything from 1990. Or, if they have learned anything, they have learned the bad lessons.
2: His former teammate Jules Denionana believes if Cameroon's football team has failed to replicate the 1990 World Cup exploit, it is because the country's football foundations aren't solid.
1: The current foundation in Cameroon is not enough. We need to detect players. They have to grow in good environment to be better uh, football players. Locally, it will be very difficult. Unfortunately, when we get talents in Cameroon, we send them abroad for them to rise in better clubs.
2: Joseph-Antoine Bell feels unless there's proper reflection on the state of Cameroonian football, the sport will continue slumping.
3: You have to think ahead of the time. So our football never thought about really planning something. So You cannot plant corruption, favoritism, unfair decision, and then expect to improve and to be successful. You cannot be in a country where people talk about selling and buying games of football. Like you go to the market and you will buy watermelon, and then you are talking about football, which is competition, which needs organization. We are not thinking about excellence. Our football is never about excellence. We are not thinking about it, we are not talking about it, and we are not planting the seed of excellence.
2: Cameroon's jaw-dropping displays at the 1990 World Cup may have revolutionised the perception of African football on the globe, but the country's failure to match its exploits 30 years ago is like a ghost that returns to haunt its victim every June.
0: That special report from Planet Sport Football Africa's Gano in Yaoundé. Well, I remember watching Cameroon's wonderful run at the World Cup in 1990, 30 years ago. Uh, I think you were a bit young back then, Ida, but you'll still know all about this legendary team and the promise that they seem to bring for African football.
4: Right. I can't really say that I'll be speaking from experience on this one, Steve. (laughs) But look, as you've said there, I mean, it was a legendary team that has crossed all generations, has been celebrated by all and was one discussed in succeeding World Cups, you know, as an example of just what an African team could achieve or possibly even better. And I'm glad that the Lions overcame that initial starstruck feeling of playing against Diego Maradona and managed to pull off one of the most incredible results in the World Cup to date when they stand then World Cup champions, Argentina. Now, it was a result that gave lots of much-needed credibility to African football that, in all honesty, had long before been taken as a joke. And there were some brilliant moments, I mean, the likes of Roger Miller, Miller, of course, told the show, becoming the oldest player then to play at a World Cup and then became the oldest player four years later to score at a World Cup when he came out of retirement. It's a record that he still holds to date. And, of course, reports suggest, Steve, that Cameroon preparations were just shambolic. The players were disunited, as you've heard. But look at what they managed to achieve. It took a Gary Lineker penalty to bundle them out in the quarterfinals. And it always has me wondering, thinking about just what Africa could
0: achieve if united and
4: organized. Africa would rule the world,
0: Steve. Yes, sure, with proper organisation and leadership. And Ida and G.A. highlighted such a big question in that report. Why Cameroon have failed to progress from that 1990 World Cup? Uh, Yes, they have won three more Africa Cup of Nations titles, but they became so frustrating at the World Cup.
4: And let's not even talk about the fact that they didn't even qualify for the 2018 showpiece in Russia, Steve. I mean, it's the age-old African story, though, isn't it? I mean, you look at Nigeria, for example, Three Nations Cups as well, similar to Cameroon, but their record at the World Cup is actually worse off because, unlike Cameroon, Nigeria have never moved beyond the round of 16. And there's a powerful quote in the report that accuses the Cameroon officials of failing without learning something new. And if you ask me, I think that's where the real mistake lies, because it's not just something within Cameroon. We find it to be a problem that cuts across the board in the continent. And it goes back to what we're talking about. It might be different countries, yes, but it's the same problems, sort of the whole you know Africa is a country notion, and I stand to be corrected here, but going by j 's report, Steve, it does seem that transition was also a problem for the indomitable lions because look, it must have been brilliant, absolutely fantastic for the fans. But what did it really say to the rest of the team, if you think about it, to have Roger Miller on first in one thousand nine hundred and ninety? And then four years later, because in as much as it's always a wise thing to mix youth and experience could calling on a 42 year old fitness aside, Steve, you know, maybe spell a lack of confidence in the players who are already there.
0: Yeah, good point. And no doubt Cameroon underachieved at subsequent World Cups. And of course, it's not only Cameroon. And we have asked this question before. And remember that to Brazil legend Pele once said that an African team would win the World Cup by the end of the last century. Uh, so 30 years on, still no African team has got to the World Cup semi-finals. And right now, you can't see it happening anytime soon, I'd say.
4: Exactly right, Steve. Not anytime soon, to be honest. I mean, we've seen flashes of brilliance here and there. Uh, We were just talking about Cameroon in 1990. And of course, there was that stunning Senegal team in 2002. And then there was Ghana eight years later. But If anything, it's like the situation has actually gone from bad to worse since then. And Pele made that famous statement in 1977. And, you know, it more or less gave Africa about three, maybe around four World Cup cycles to prove him right. But that wasn't the case. And you know what, Steve? Honestly, you know, at the time, it probably looked like a safe bet. Egypt had become the first African country to play at a World Cup in 1934, so it did look reasonable that an African country could at least get to a semi-final, you know, if not a final. And for a continent that's mad about football, that has produced some of the most talented individuals, in the history of the game, Steve. We're talking the likes of JJ Okocha, Samuel Le and so many others. It's a shame that we haven't really been able to harness that to pose a serious challenge globally. And a huge part of that reason always goes back to structures. We were talking about foundation earlier. It's more or less the same thing because how can we pose a challenge when half the time, Steve, we are either fighting or reporting on corruption charges within FAs and even inside of the top football continental body? Steve, sometimes on an almost weekly basis, I'll give you a perfect example. We saw the Ghana FA's corruption laid bare just a short while before the 2018 World Cup in that expose. How can we really move ahead when the agenda is about who is the boss and it's not about the players? And look, it's not to say that these um, sorts of issues don't exist in other parts of the world. But I've always felt like the difference is that in other continents, they've had structures that outlive whoever is in charge. That whatever personality battles happen, because trust me, they will happen no matter where we are in the world. They happen when the players are already well taken care of, because the players are first priority. But Look, that's been the opposite case here in Africa. And as we said earlier, I mean, going by how things looked in uh, 2018 in Russia, it doesn't look to be going too well anytime
0: soon. Yeah, indeed it doesn't. Thanks Ida and this week on social media, asking for your views on this, why have Cameroon failed to progress since Italia 1990? Uh, so as you heard, uh, 30 years ago the World Cup was on in Italy, Cameroon getting all the way to the quarterfinals, uh, but 30 years on, still no African team has taken it further and got to the semi-finals of the FIFA World Cup, while Cameroon themselves have had many disappointing campaigns. Uh, so a big question why have the Indomitable Lions failed to fulfil the potential of 1990, you can give us your thoughts on Facebook on our page Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Now let's go to social media, and after a three-month break, the English Premier League is back. Now, we asked, as in the German Bundesliga, there have been so many away wins since they resumed, and with the empty stadiums and all of the testing and other health procedures, will there be some surprises in the English Premier League in terms of the top four places and who gets relegated? With your thoughts, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Thanks then
5: Steve and we start today with Malik E. Bojang in The Gambia who says I'm afraid Sheffield United could beat my beloved Manchester United to the fourth Champions League position and as for the relegation battle, I believe Aston Villa will go down together with West Ham and Norwich. Abinna in Nigeria agrees with two of Malik's choices for relegation. There will not be any surprises, says Abinna. Norwich, Aston Villa and any one other team will go down. But Kayason Cissé in the Gambia is expecting to see some surprises. No doubt Liverpool can finish at the top and Chelsea and Manchester City second and third respectively. But Leicester, Manchester United and Spurs can all finish in that fourth place. Bighton and Chico is in Malawi. Yes, anything can happen in football, says Byton, but as far as the top four is concerned, well, nothing will change much, as many of the small teams who are out of the top four depend on supporters at home games to get some results. But for the big teams, well, this factor will even make them win by even greater margins. Abdul Razak in The Gambia says, I think Liverpool may have some difficulties, but they will finally win the league. Well, interesting comment there, Abdur Razak. And we always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sports Football Africa. And here's Malik Gay in the Gambia.
2: I'm so excited of the returning of uh, this Premier League. The league is
4: so competitive. And I hope Liverpool going to finish the
5: league outright. They are going to win it. My team, Chelsea, also are going to finish the top four. So Malik confident there that his team Chelsea will finish in the top four. And let's turn now to Ricky Ngalube who's in Zambia. I don't see any surprises at the moment at the top of the table, says Ricky. Liverpool will be champions and Man City, Spurs, Chelsea and Manchester United will continue to fight for the second, third and fourth places in that order. I don't see Arsenal coming back, but maybe there will be some surprises in the relegation battle. Lee Cissé in The Gambia says, I am super excited as my favourite league in the world resumes. It's going to be very intense as far as the competition for the top four places is concerned, considering the fact that all of those teams have welcomed their key players back from injury, notably Rashford and Pogba for United and Harry Kane for Spurs. The relegation battle won't be an easy one to predict either, as it's a very tight competition there too, says Lee. And Al Hajj Ibu in the Gambia also agrees. There will be a surprise in the EPL, says Al Hajj, because Manchester United will take the second or third place. This is because of their scouts and the form that they had before the pandemic started, which was very good. Chelsea will drop from the Champions League places to the Europa League and Wolverhampton Wanderers and Sheffield United will both continue their fine form before the EPL was suspended due to the COVID-19. Belong Badji, also in the Gambia, says the occurrence of surprises in the EPL is completely predictable because of the quality of the players. They show a total devotion and responsibility in their play on the pitch. They will continue to inspire us even though they will be missing the ambience of the crowd to boost their morale, says Belong. Daniel is in Ghana. Well, this is really hard to predict, says Daniel. You know, the EPL is not a playground for boys. It takes lots of characters to stay strong in it. I strongly believe that the current top four will maintain their Champions League slots. But at the bottom, well, it's very hard to predict until maybe the last two matches or even the very last day of the season. After all's been said, I can't wait to see the players back on the pitch after this long break. And I'm getting nervous already, says Daniel. And finally, Dems Kander in The Gambia says, I don't really see any surprises in the return of the EPL. Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea and Leicester will still be in the top four. And Bournemouth, Aston Villa and Norwich are the teams who will most likely be relegated. So, that's a fairly balanced mix there, Steve, with our correspondents this week split about half and half on the question of whether we can expect any surprises in the final positions at the top and bottom of the table. And, uh, well, I'd be hard-pushed to make a decision on that myself either, but what I do expect, and indeed what I'm very much looking forward to, is that we'll see some shock results along the way. And for me, Steve, well, that's what always makes
0: the Premier League so exciting. Yeah, indeed, and I'm wondering if we're going to have a lot of away wins like in the German Bundesliga. Let's go to Stuart Weir, our European football expert in the UK. So the Premier League came back with two games on Wednesday night, a goalless draw between Aston Villa and Sheffield United and Manchester City convincing 3-0 victors over Arsenal. And there are games almost every day for the next few weeks. Well, lots of changes because of COVID-19. So Stuart, what are your impressions of the first games? Yes, indeed, the Premier League is back, and with
6: some noticeable differences from normal. On the back of the players' shirts are the usual numbers, but no player names. Instead, the words Black Lives Matter on every shirt. An NHS badge on the front as a thank you to the key medical workers in the NHS or National Health Service in this time of pandemic. There was one minute silence to remember those who died from the virus. Then a countdown to kick-off. But instead of a kick-off, every player, sub and even the referee dropped to one knee, taking a knee in support of the Black Lives Matter. Two other differences were water breaks, one in each half. Play stopping so that each player could drink from his own water bottle. No more sharing of bottles as a health precaution. And no ball boys to reduce the number of people touching the ball, with extra balls available around the ground. Aston Villa and Sheffield United drew nil-nil. The play was cagey, two teams looking as if they hadn't played for three months. But we didn't have to wait long for the first moment of controversy. Villa keeper Urien Nyland carried Norwood's free kick over the line but referee Michael Oliver did not receive the signal in his watch to indicate that the ball had crossed the line and couldn't award a goal. Hawkeye, which operates the goal line technology, said afterwards, we unreservedly apologise to the Premier League, Sheffield United and everyone affected by the incident, explaining that this is the first error in 9,000 games because all seven cameras had been blocked by players, The goalkeeper, the goalpost, and so therefore the technology could not see the ball over the line. But the big question for most of us is, when you have VAR, why did it not intervene and award the goal? Let's just hope that Sheffield United don't miss out on Europe, or Villa avoid relegation by that one point. We've mentioned before that Aston Villa are the most African team in the Premier League. Well... On Wednesday, only El Hazi started against Sheffield United, but Samata, Nakamba, Trezeguet and El-Mohammadi all joined the action as second-half substitutes. Manchester City were impressive beating Arsenal 3-0, but the turning point was a penalty and a red card against David Luiz, who had come on as a first-half substitute, and his two mistakes were responsible, I'm afraid, for the first two Manchester City goals. Incidentally, two of City's goals involved them taking the ball from their own penalty area and scoring without an Arsenal player getting a touch. It was beautiful to watch. I can also tell you that when De Bruyne scored Manchester City's penalty, it ended a sequence that City had missed four penalties in a row. Oba started for Arsenal, but saw little of the ball, whereas Pepi was an unused sub. Incidentally, Mayang, the Arsenal captain, has not yet committed his future to the club and it is thought that unless Arsenal can offer him Champions League football, he may not stay. Now, starting on Friday the 19th, all Premier League clubs will play twice in seven days. So by the time of next week's programme, any club achieving two wins could have made significant progress towards safety or qualification for Europe. One final thought. To get through the remaining 92 fixtures, we are playing matches every day of the week, and I wonder if in future this will become the norm, with all games starting at a different time and all
0: live on TV. There's something to look forward to. Well, yes, there's so much football to watch now after that three-month drought, There was a big story this week on the power of football, or the power of footballers, uh, as about 1.3 million children in England will get free school meal vouchers during the upcoming holidays, this following a campaign by Manchester United forward Marcus Rashford. Rashford presented his case to MPs and he took them on on social media, and he had a great victory, Stuart. Marcus Rashford has frankly just become a national hero this week,
6: having persuaded the British government to change its policy on providing free school meals. The context is that during school terms, children from low-income families receive a free lunch at school. Rashford, who himself grew up in a poor family and had to rely on free school meals, asked the government to continue providing these meals for the poorest of society during the summer holiday period, and the government said no. Rashford, as you say, wrote a letter to all members of Parliament. And what he said was, help us break the cycle of hardship. Please do the right thing and extend the free food voucher scheme throughout the summer holidays. Give our vulnerable families one less thing to worry about. And it was really quite amazing because even members of the government went against their own prime minister saying that he was right. And at 22, Marcus Rashford is without question one of the most exciting talents in the English Premier League. But this week he proved himself to be a person of enormous stature and one who has not forgotten the challenges that his family faced when he was a child. And as a result, children and poor families will not go hungry in 2020.
0: Well, a huge well done to Marcus Rashford. Thanks, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.